morning, church. It's great to be with you on this Easter Sunday. I love Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday speaks of victory and triumph. Easter Sunday speaks of joy and celebration. Easter Sunday speaks of hope. Easter Sunday speak, speaks of new beginnings. I love Easter Sunday. And this morning, our text is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 20? And we're going to begin this morning in verse 11. Before we dive into our text, I'd like to set up the scene for you. And to set up the scene, I'd like to use the Apostles' Creed this morning. And the Apostles' Creed, it captures the essentials of the Christian faith. And this is a portion of the Apostles' Creed here. And so listen carefully. The Apostles' Creed is this. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who was conceived in the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. It's interesting that the Apostles' Creed skips like 30 plus years of Jesus' life. It begins with Jesus' conception and birth. And then an odd thing happens. It skips over to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Why does the Apostles' Creed skip like 30 years of Jesus' life? Well, the reason is because the Apostles' Creed is trying to capture the essence of the Christian faith. Trying to encapsulate the main things of the Christian faith. And some of the main things of the Christian faith happen from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. Namely this, that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate that he was crucified, dead, and buried, that he descended into hell, that on the third day, he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven. Now I want you to take a closer look to the last two lines up on the screen. It says this, it says, the third day, he rose again from the dead, and then it says, he ascended into heaven. Now, John chapter 20 falls smack dab in the middle of he rose again on the third day and he ascended into heaven. Smack dab in the middle is John chapter 20. And so listen carefully. John chapter 20, verse 11. This is the word of God. And it says this. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus 
had been lying. One at the head and the other at the feet. These angels said to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. And then when Mary had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus says to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing Jesus to be the gardener, she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turns and she says to Jesus, Rabboni, which means teacher in Hebrew. And then Jesus says something very interesting to Mary. I want you to pay very close attention here. Jesus says this. He says, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Instead, go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary went and she told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. So who is this Mary Magdalene? Well, we learn from the Gospel of Luke and Mark that Mary Magdalene was tormented by demons. Seven demons to be exact. I mean, imagine being tormented by one demon. She was tormented by seven demons. Her life was a life of misery and torment. But Jesus shows up and Jesus rescue her, rescues her. Jesus delivers her from these seven demons and she is freed to live a full life. And then something amazing happens. Jesus has such, makes a, such a transformative difference in Mary Magdalene's life that Mary becomes one of Jesus' most devoted disciples. Mary becomes one of Jesus' most faithful followers. At this moment though, in John chapter 20, Mary is standing outside the tomb and she's heartbroken. She's hurting. She's in pain. It's disturbing doesn't even begin to describe the events of the last couple of days wherein Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate and Jesus was crucified on the cross and buried. And right now, 
Mary can't believe what happened to her Lord. And, she, and so she's in torment. She's in pain. She's grieving. She's disheartened. And she's outside the tomb of Jesus. And she's weeping and crying uncontrollably. Then, Mary gains the courage. And she peeks in to the tomb. And she sees something odd. She sees two angels sitting where the body of Jesus used to be lying. And so she has a chat with the angels. And while she's chatting with these angels, Jesus shows up. But she doesn't know that it is Jesus. She thinks that it's the gardener. It's the groundskeeper. And Jesus reveals himself to Mary. I underlined a sentence here after Jesus reveals himself to Mary. It's highlighted there in yellow. Jesus says to Mary something very interesting. She says, do not hold on to me. Because I have not yet ascended to the Father. I want you to just let that soak in for a bit. Marinate on that for a bit. Jesus says, do not hold on to me. Because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, let's go back to the Apostles' Creed. It says, the very last line says, He ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven is like no small thing. You see, Jesus' mission on earth was my redemption. Jesus' mission on earth was your redemption. Jesus' mission on earth was our redemption. Jesus' mission was the redemption of the entire world. But, in order to complete the greatest mission story ever told, Jesus has to ascend into heaven. Without this key component, the puzzle is missing a piece. You see, the redemption of the entire world rests on Jesus ascending into heaven. You see, the physical resurrection and ascension of Jesus is like the most crucial facets of the Christian faith. Without the physical resurrection and ascension, Jesus would be just like any human being just like you and me, and our faith would be meaningless. Jesus, his physical resurrection and his ascension is essential, is critical, is crucial to the Christian faith. Yet, sandwiched smack dab in between, he rose again on the third day and he ascended into heaven is John chapter 20, wherein Jesus makes a pit stop, wherein Jesus takes a time out to do what, you might ask? What could possibly be more important than Jesus ascending into heaven for the redemption of the entire world? Well, Jesus goes and he visits with a distraught, disheartened and depressed woman who's crying hysterically. 
Jesus calls her by name and says, Mary. Then Jesus said something interesting. She says, he says, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus says, do not detain me. Do not hinder me. Do not delay me. Why? Because I have not completed my mission. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Are you kidding me? I mean, like, if I was Jesus' personal assistant, I would be like, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus. You have no time, no business visiting with people. Go, go now. Do not delay. Make haste. Ascend already. The redemption of the entire world awaits. Ascend, ascend, Jesus. That would have been my input to Jesus. Yet, with the responsibility of the redemption of the entire world upon Jesus' shoulders, Jesus makes time to go and visit with someone who's broken and hurting. And in visiting with Mary, Jesus communicates through his actions, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. Jesus, he could have ignored Mary Magdalene. After all, he really does have vital kingdom business on his hands. He has the responsibility of the redemption of the entire world upon his shoulders. He has yet to ascend into heaven. Still, Jesus visits with Mary Magdalene in her hour of greatest need. In her greatest moment of pain and brokenness and despair, Jesus chooses to show up. And in doing so, Jesus communicates through his actions, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. And on this Easter Sunday, 2017, over 2,000 years later, God still conveys this same powerful message to you and I. To the woman who is experiencing domestic violence at home, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the employee who is frustrated at work, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the couple whose marriage is strained and struggling, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the student that's being bullied at school, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the family that is homeless, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the father and mother who is worried about their finances, 
God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the teenager or the young adult that is misunderstood and feels alone, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the person who is grieving the loss of a loved one, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the person who is struggling and fighting cancer, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. To the person who might be feeling tired or restless or angry or depressed or empty or worried or broken, God says, I have not forgotten you. I care about you. I am with you. And God demonstrated this once for all in a most definitive way over 2,000 years ago in the form of Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, who was Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. Then he visited with Mary and a few others. And then he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That's the good news of Easter. 